So I know these things seem so simple to us, right? You feel like you have to go to the bathroom, you go. What's so difficult? Because we've mastered it. But the world is so new and so many things are shiny for little kids. So there's a lot of distractions. And, you know, I kind of miss that. So when we aren't so unimpressed with most things, right? We become adults and we just get, we get kind of jaded, right? Everything's like, yeah, whatever. That's not very new, you know? But to be in this place where everything is amazing and wonderful and cool and unique and new and exciting, is such a great way to look at the world. And uh, I think more of us adults could have, could have a little more of that. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I haven't done a parenting question in a while, and I got one this past week that I think can be really helpful to a lot of parents, especially preschoolers. But there's some really great spillover in behavior that we can also apply to older kids and other situations as well. So I think there's going to be some really great information in here. So Amanda slid into my DM this week with her great question. And she said, I have an unusual question. My daughter is four and a half and recently started preschool. Her school is Montessori based and she absolutely loves it. However, she's been having accidents and wetting herself recently while at school, most commonly during outside time. She did not have this issue at daycare and does not have this issue at home. She's been potty trained since she was around two and a half. The reason for the accidents is not because she cannot tell when she has to urinate. It's because she overestimates her ability to hold her urine and wants to continue either engaging in her lessons or in her free play. There's absolutely free access to restrooms at all times. Her main teacher has encouraged her to pause between activities and use the restroom, especially after lunch. But she's so enthralled and engaged with the classroom and her favorite friend at school that she refuses. And when she starts to feel the urge to urinate, she ignores it at best and then waits until it's too late. And then she tears off to the bathroom at full speed, chanting, oh no, oh no, and ends up urinating while en route. She's not overly annoyed by this because the other kids don't tease her and they wear uniforms, so she just changes into an identical outfit. But I'm worried she'll give herself a UTI or cause damage to her bladder. Plus, I feel bad for her teacher cleaning up urine at least once a week for a child who is legitimately potty trained and who has been independently toileting at home and daycare for a year previously. How can I help her respect her body signals and get it through to her that when the urge first hits, she really needs to honor it? I am prone to UTIs if I try to hold my urine too often, and it's awful. I don't want that for her future too. Okay, 
So I'm going to talk about development as it relates to potty training. Then I'm going to talk about scenarios like this one and in general, how we deal with situations where we don't really have a lot of control over our children's choices, how we can encourage them to make different choices. And then I'm also going to discuss Amanda's health concerns. So development as it relates to potty training. First, this is for anyone who's thinking about starting potty training or has started potty training and you're struggling. This isn't quite for you yet, Amanda. So I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to put this out there. The first rule is you don't want to start potty training when your toddler is in the midst of their oppositional phase. So this is when toddlers first start to become aware that they are a separate person with separate desires and needs. And so they start to really engage that part of their development. They start pushing back about anything and everything that they can. You say up, they say down, you say blue, they say red, you say left, they say right, they say no to everything. So this is not the time to start potty training. You want them to work through this stage before you try to start the process that requires a lot of cooperation, right? So you want to hold off. It won't be too long. It'll be a few months, maybe a little longer, three, four months till they work their way through that stage. For Amanda, know that relapses are very common. And when I say very common, I mean very common. Even for a child who has been potty trained for a year or longer, even fully potty trained. So, and this is for the very reason that you mentioned, when a child gets engrossed in activities. So during this age, their cognitive and social emotional development is growing by leaps and bounds. So they can get really focused on what they're doing and or connecting with their friends and not cue into the physical cues their body is sending them because they are so focused on their activity, connecting with their friends, the social emotional aspect of the play or the cognitive aspect of the play. The good news about this, Amanda, is that your daughter is really enjoying her school and all the activities and the friendships. That is amazing. It's great news. The issue is that at these younger years, even early elementary school, up through about third grade, it's really difficult to almost impossible to give kids reminders or instructions from home and have them actually execute at school. So this is really something that is best left for the teachers to manage. The best thing to do is to work on it at home when you have the behavior at home. But you said that she already is fully potty trained at home and isn't having this problem. So there's not a lot you can do about this at home to help her work on it. Now, you mentioned that you feel bad for the teacher, and that's totally understandable. As parents, we often feel embarrassed about our children's behavior or choices outside of our jurisdiction. Now, the wonderful thing about this is that the teacher doesn't seem to be bothered by it, at least not from what you've shared with me, as he or she shouldn't be. I don't know if the teacher is a male or a female. It's a very normal part of the preschool years. Now, I get more concerned when I hear parents tell me that preschools are reporting behavior and expecting parents to be able to fix it from home, because that tells me they aren't very aware of child development. They don't have a lot of knowledge or understanding about it. But when a school reports the behavior in a manner such as, just so that you're aware, this is what's happening, and here's how we're handling it. And here's what you can do at home if you see the same behavior. Now, I think the teacher is handling this beautifully, reminding her to go between activities, offering and inviting, but not forcing. The teacher sounds very educated about this really important piece of child development. 
And I think it's amazing and such a gift that your daughter loves her school and the experience so much and that the teacher seems to be able to handle this in such an age appropriate way because you just don't hear that very often. So I think that's a lot to be excited about, a lot of positives. So in this case, since it's only once a week, you know, honestly, even if it were once a day, but especially since it's only happening around once a week, even if it's a little bit more, this is very normal. And even once a day would be normal. I'm hoping that by you knowing this, that this will help alleviate these feelings of guilt or embarrassment. Now, once everything isn't so brand new and exciting, she will get better and better and she will have fewer and fewer accidents. So obviously I am not a pediatrician and I'm not a urologist. So I would talk to her pediatrician about these concerns, about how UTIs run in the family, if you think it's a potential genetic concern, so that they can alleviate your fears or they can talk to you about that. But remember that kids' bladders are small and that they can't hold very much urine. They can't hold it nearly as long as we adults can before they have an accident. So she's not really holding it that long and she's not holding that much. Secondly, again, not being a pediatrician or urologist, she could be prone to UTIs just like you, but she actually may not be. You just don't know. So I would try to put that aside and not invite that into this mix to worry about it because right now she's dealing with a very normal part of potty training, the relapse, when things are so interesting in the world. And so that's super normal and it's really unlikely to cause a problem. So I want to get into some things you can do at home for this issue of potty training and also for other issues and challenges that parents run into that you may have outside of your influence when you can't be right there to be that guide. I'm going to do that right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. 
At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back, this is how I recommend handling the potty training relapse at home. The general attitude we want to have is, I believe in you even when you struggle. And honestly, this goes for any behavior. But in potty training, we might say things like, I know you're struggling to get to the potty on time sometimes. I know school is really fun and exciting, so it's really hard to stop in time. But I know you'll get better and better at listening to your body, even when you're having lots of fun. And I think your teacher has a really good idea of trying to go before you go outside or right after lunch. Let's try to work on that. Or why don't you try to work on that? Just give some encouragement for making those choices. And we can do this at home too. So if you're potty training at home, you can do the same thing. If your child is having accidents, I know that it's hard to get to the potty sometimes, and I know this is really new, but I know you'll get better at listening to your body and getting to the potty as soon as you feel like you have to go. So the attitude is one of encouragement, meaning encouraging proactive choices, encouraging you to try to get to the potty, to try to listen to your body, to listen to the teacher and go, but also encouragement in the way that we support their efforts, as in, I know that you'll get better at this. I know that when you're ready, you will get to the potty on time. I know that you will get better at listening to your body. So I know these things seem so simple to us, right? You feel like you have to go to the bathroom, you go. What's so difficult? Because we've mastered it. But the world is so new and so many things are shiny for little kids. So there's a lot of distractions. And, you know, I kind of miss that. So when we aren't so unimpressed with most things, right? We become adults and we just get we get kind of jaded, right? Everything's like, yeah, whatever. That's not very new, you know? But to be in this place where everything is amazing and wonderful and cool and unique and new and exciting is such a great way to look at the world. And uh, I think more of us adults could have, could have a little more of that. So anyway, it takes practice and experience. So we want to remember this and approach them with this understanding. So I'm going to talk about some other scenarios, whether it's at home, or out of our jurisdiction where we can encourage, but we can't make the decisions for them. So like I already mentioned, school is a big one. I get a lot of emails from parents whose kids are having issues at school, whether it's a behavior issue or a focus issue. So again, if it's behavior we see at home, we can definitely practice, guide, and coach at home to help them get better at it just in general. But a lot of times these are behaviors that are only happening at school. A kid is struggling with sitting still. A child is being disruptive at lineup time. So we have very little influence, especially if they're younger, like eight or under. 
Now, these are things that really need to be coached and guided in the moment. That's when they really need the help the most. Their attention spans are so short. So reminding your child at 7.55 a.m. to keep their hands to themselves today is going to go right out the window once they're sitting at their desk at 8.10 a.m., let alone by 2.15 in the afternoon. So can we play some games at home and practice at home? Sure. But, you know, practice at home when things are relaxed, when they're fresh, when they haven't been trying to sit and focus all day, and now they're expected to remain soldier-like at 2.15 is going to be different. So we want to encourage, again, I know it's really hard after you've been focusing on schoolwork for a while to remember to keep your body calm when you're waiting to go outside or you're waiting at lineup to go home. What can we do to help you remember? Now, also, this is a really important point. In these instances, kids need a new go-to behavior. I'm talking about these school behaviors where they're struggling to stay calm in line. Keep their hands to themselves. When they're struggling with this, they need a go-to behavior, a replacement. So you can work together to figure out what they can do. Can they put their hands in their pockets? Can they play some type of finger game with their hands, their own hands together? Can they tap on their thigh while the teacher gathers everyone? Can they tap on their thigh and count while the teacher you know, gathers everyone together? Have encouraging discussions that promote problem solving. We can't just expect that they can change their behavior from poking their neighbor to standing still. Too big of an ask. Otherwise, they would have just done that already. Like, right, standing still is like doing nothing and doing nothing is really hard. So what can they do that still falls within the parameters of acceptable, but without poking their neighbor, swinging their arms around? (laughs) So other scenarios that come to mind are things like bedtimes and mealtimes. We can have our children tucked in and in their beds, but we can't force them to fall asleep. We can have our kids sit at the table for mealtime, but we can't force them to eat, nor do we want to. For bedtimes, we want to give them the best opportunity, so we create a rule. You need to stay in your room. We remove toys that could be a distraction, could be stimulating, but books and lovies are fine. They help kids relax. So as long as they stay in their room, they read, they snuggle with their lovies, they talk to themselves. Lots of kids talk themselves to sleep. I remember my oldest son talking himself to sleep, singing himself to sleep. He'd be in there 20, 30, 40 minutes some nights, depending on how tired he was. And he would just chitter chatter until he finally fell asleep. So we're giving them opportunities to learn how to put themselves to sleep, allowing them to unwind to get sleepy in their own way. For meals, we want to offer, encourage, and we set the rule you need to sit at the table for family mealtime but it's up to you how much and of what you eat. Now, of course, this gets into a whole other area of how to manage this. I don't want to get into the like, they won't eat their vegetables, but they'll eat the macaroni. There are ways around that. But I want to just talk about the behavior piece of this right here and the the issues that we can get into because this is a general rule of thumb, right? You need to stay at the table. You get to decide what and how much to eat. And if we're making a healthy meal, then they're eating a healthy meal. Again, there's other workarounds if they're just going in for the macaroni or the spaghetti or the other things or the bread, but not eating the vegetables. There's some other ways around that. There's lots of ways around that, actually, which I talk about in the mealtimes classes. There's uh, mealtimes for infants and toddlers and healthy eating preschool and beyond. But what we want to teach them is to enjoy the family time, but not micromanage their eating because that will create a lot of issues. So if we're like one more bite of this, two more bites of that, we're going to increase picky eating. 
and it's going to create a power struggle and dynamic that then becomes about the power and not the food. The food is the vehicle to gain power, and we definitely don't want to set that up. So because kids know there's no way that we can force them to open their mouths, to put the food in, to chew it, and to swallow it. So if they feel like we're trying to control this mealtime behavior, they're going to use the power that they have to push back, and then they're just going to refuse. So I remember my youngest son, when I would make dinner, put on the table and put it in front of him. And the first thing out of his mouth, I don't wipe this. He hadn't even tried it. All he did was look at it. I don't wipe this. He just decided he didn't like it. So I would say, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. But this is dinner. So if you don't want to eat it, there's nothing else until breakfast. Then I would have to act as if I didn't even notice or care. Like he was actually sitting there eating it or like nothing happened. If I would watch him, he would double down and not touch it. If I would look away, help the other kids, chat about their day, eat my own dinner and just pay no attention to the fact that he's sitting there with his arms crossed and his little lips sticking out, being a little bit cantankerous about it. Pretty soon, Chandler's taking a bite. And I'm watching out of the corner of my eye and I'm really careful not to let him see me because as soon as he thinks I'm looking at him, he's going to stop. So soon enough, he is gobbling down the entire meal. And 99% of the time, this is how it would go. And then he would ask for more. But I would never say any kind of I told you so in any type of way. I would never insinuate or point out that he didn't want to try it and see you liked it. None of that because that would make it worse for next time. So I just acted like he liked it from the get-go. I'm so glad you like it. Here's some more. Now, on occasion, he didn't like it, and that's okay. He tried it, and he was like, yeah, no, I really don't like it. And in that case, he would still get to have a very small, healthy snack before bed, like some apple slices, a small banana, that kind of thing. But I wouldn't replace the meal, because otherwise, then they're going to start to get more picky over time, because then they realize they could look at it and say, I don't like it. And then they're going to get another meal or get something else. So I still kept it a small snack about an hour and a half later, right? Yeah, because it'd be about six o'clock, eight o'clock. Yeah, about an hour and about hour and a half to two hours later, he would get the snack. So I also remember when I was a kid, I was in tween or early teen. I was 12 to 13. I want to say my mom made liver and onions. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I tried a bite. Ugh. I tried a couple bites. Ugh. It's, ugh, I can't. The texture, the taste, it was horrible. She made me sit at the table for an hour and a half after dinner was over saying I couldn't leave until I'd finished. And I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't take another bite. <laughs> so gross. So I just sat there. My mom was scary. So you didn't cross her. You did not. You did not push boundaries with my mom. It, it was not good. And, I, and it's not funny, but that was, that was my reality. But on this night, finally, she let me go because she realized I just wasn't going to eat it. I mean, as scary as she was, I just couldn't stomach it. And there was just nothing I, 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 you know, I could do. So that kind of force in parenting isn't going to help our kids learn to like food. And to this day, I won't even try liver. And, and because not only do I remember the taste as horrible, but I remember the experience on top of it, like this, this power dynamic between my mom and I, where I had to just sit there and 
for an hour and a half. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll be sitting here all night. Maybe she'll put it back out for me for breakfast. I don't know, but I just can't eat it. So one more example around this type of scenario with my lovely Chandler. This is about two and a half years ago. So he was nine or so. So we were taking a family trip to the beach for like an hour. Like we live 15 minutes from the beach. So we were driving there, going to hang out for an hour and drive home. It was a really nice spring weekend morning. The tourists were not in town. So it was going to be really quiet at the beach. So it was a great day uh, to go. And it was a family outing and he didn't want to go. And he made a huge fuss about it. And my rule was on that day, I said, you don't have to get in the water. You don't have to play in the sand, but you need to come and spend time with your family for a few hours. I'm not asking for a lot. Finally, I get him in the car. He comes to the beach and guess who has the best time? Guess who gets in the water, builds with the sand and is the one who doesn't want to go home? Yep. Mr. Chandler. So my take home with these types of scenarios is we want to figure out where we have control and where we don't. Then we can act, we can guide, we can coach, we can advise our kids accordingly. Now, if you want to know more about any of these topics, potty training class covers how to know when your child is ready and exact steps to potty train, what to do before they're ready so that you can start opening up the interest start teaching a little bit about it, make it an interesting open topic and potty training issues like relapses, bedwetting, etc. Bedtimes covers how to set up healthy bedtime routines and expectations, the two mealtime classes for healthy eating infants and toddlers and preschool and beyond for all the do's and don'ts for helping raise healthy eaters and kids who aren't picky about foods. Also, lastly, I am in the process of revamping the website. I am adding more classes. I have two of them that are just about to release in another couple of weeks. I am adding the weekly group coaching as part of the memberships. We're adding this in. So all of this will release the new website in three weeks. All the same classes will still be there, but just there's a revamping on the front end. But also, as I've been sharing, the membership prices are going to increase quite a bit. I haven't raised prices my entire time. And of course, you know, I have a a lovely assistant and I also have a really great graphic designer and things have just gotten expensive. So we're going to have to revamp that. So if you have been thinking about joining, I would do it in the next two weeks because you will get everything, the new classes, the weekly group coaching to ask questions, get them answered all at the current rate and you will stay at that rate so long as you stay a member. So, but once the prices go up and you join, it will be at the higher price point. So if you're interested in that, you can do that at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with five to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10, H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.